Welcome everyone to another episode of the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. I'm Nancy Anderson, and I'm joined by my co-host and the moderator of this roundtable conversation, Linda Descano. Hello, Linda. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Great. Um, excited to get this going and to tell everybody what this roundtable conversation is about and who you have joining us. Well, today we are going to talk about marketing to women, which is something that first came into my lexicon, I hate to say, in the late 1990s. So it's been 25 or so years. I was in financial services and all of a sudden, like everyone was waking up to the power of the female consumer. I think globally, women control over $20 trillion in annual consumer spending. They generate $13 trillion in total annual earnings. And, you know, when it comes to a lot of the day-to-day decisions of the household, you know, women are the ones making the spending decisions, managing the household budget, and increasingly influence how their family really plans for big goals, whether it's retirement, children's education. And so for me, as we've been talking a lot about how do we help the brands and organizations we work with be more inclusive, then maybe it makes sense to take another look at, well, where are we with respect to how brands have been engaging with women? Are they, as some have done, taking a pink it and shrink it strategy, just literally changing the size, color, or packaging of their products? Or are they really rethinking, you know, how they feature women right in there, in the advertising, in social media, and and how they talk, you know, with women rather than at women to build more sustainable, meaningful connections. So in thinking about this topic, I reached out to two women that that have really kept their pulse on the state of the women's market and have been amazing partners to me in my past life in really developing programs that I'm proud to say were very successful in not only earning kudos from our clients, but being recognized by peers for how we were engaging women. And they are Elisa Foyd, who's the founder and CEO of She Speaks. She Speaks is the largest community of female influencers, and they reach 300 million consumers per month. You know, as a platform for amplifying women's voices, She Speaks really focuses on how to build a stage for women and give women the microphone. And my second panelist is Janine Chow-Collins, who's president of See Her, which is a coalition of marketers, agencies, and media companies working to change how women and girls are portrayed in media so that what we see in media will really flex on who we are, whether it's in terms of age, race, body type, every aspect of a women's identity. See Her, just to note, was formed in 2016 by the Association of National Advertisers and now has expanded into sports and music. So I can promise a very enlightening, insightful conversation, you know, in terms of, you know, what is the state of the female consumer today? And then, you know, what are some of the tactics and the things that brands and organizations should think about to really create those meaningful connections with women and connect with women authentically. Certainly a great roster of experts to join you on this conversation, Linda. Looking forward to that. And certainly 
a great build off of our last episode on inclusivity. So definitely a timely discussion as brands begin planning for 2023. We're giving them lots to consider. Linda, I'm going to pass the mic to you to get our roundtable conversation underway. Thank you, Nancy. Aliza, Janine, I am so excited to have you around this virtual table with me to continue a conversation that we've started. It must be, I hate to admit this, 20, even 25 years ago, about why brands should have a strategy for marketing to women and how they should engage women in a meaningful way. It's particularly an important time in my view to revisit this because so much has changed in the past few years, the impact the pandemic has had on women in the workforce as it pertains to their caregiving responsibilities. We've all heard about the global recession. And I think, you know, more recently, particularly in the U.S., with the Supreme Court decision that has really limited the control we have over our bodies, something I don't think any of us would have expected that we'd be having to navigate uh, in 2022. And so with that, I thought we could use the time that we have to really talk about like what is the state of women? What's on women's minds today? And what are the issues, the tactics, the things that brands should be thinking about as they approach women, not only for the remainder of the year, but in terms of their plans for, for 2023. And Elisa, when we were talking in our pre-call, you mentioned that the team at She Speaks is about to release new research on the state of the female consumer. So could you start us off and break that down for us? What have you heard? Sure. Well, there's a lot going on. Let's just say that the background to all of this, as we all know, is that People have been living through an incredibly turbulent time, and there has been persistence to that, which means that, you know, we've had for now um, over a couple of years, more than two years, people feeling like, okay, I'm anxious, but everything's going to be okay. Oh, wait, no, it's not. I'm anxious again. Everything is going to be okay. Oh, no, anxious again. And I think what that has done this back and up and down and up and down of feeling, you know, well, we had COVID. Well, and then the vaccinations came along and everyone thought, okay, it's over. And then it wasn't. And I think what has happened is you've had so much of this instability that women are overall feeling burnt out. That is just, they're tired and they're burnt out. 50% of women told us that literally the word to describe them is burned out. Uh, or the term to describe them as burned out. And they are feeling like the things that normally give them inspiration are things that they have not been able to have. So the number one thing that gives women inspiration, 83% of women said this is the number one thing for them, is being able to talk to friends and family and interact and engage and have meaningful conversations with friends and family. And if you think about the last couple of years, that's something that's been very much curtailed or changed and different for people. So that's led to, I think, a lot of this feeling of being tired and burnt out. I think the other thing is that women are, because we're feeling our mortality in a way that we didn't before. I mean, we've been confronted with the possibility that our health should be a major concern. And 
you, you layer on top of that, the mental load, right? The fact that women of all ages, if you have, if you have age children who are uh, school age, then you, you suddenly became a teacher again. And you, on top of everything else that was going on, if you were any age, you were feeling this enormous mental load. And the, because of that, I think you have a situation where women are telling us that they are not feeling good. They also, I, I, we can't underestimate the political realm. And I will share with you a stat that was really kind of surprising to me. When we just completed a, the study, just 8% of women told us that they think that the country's headed in the right direction. That is down from almost 40% in February of 2021. So 40, back in February of 2021, 40% of women said they thought the country was headed in the right direction. And now you ask the same question and we're down to 8%. So I think you have a lot of stuff going on at the same time that are outside factors, but what they have done, they have really impacted the way that women are feeling and the mental and physical load that it's taking on us. You know, in your research, did you explore what women, how women are thinking about the brands that they interact with? You know, Mm -hmm. and what are, and their expectation of brands? Yeah, we have talked to them about the expectations. And really what I think women are looking for are brands that are going to just talk to them authentically about what their product does to make their lives better. And it's not, you know, there's, I know we'll probably get a little bit more into the whole pink washing of it all and the shrink it and pink it. But I think what's happened is because women are at a point where they're, they're understanding that there's so many more important things that they need to focus on in, in life that may, you know, we've not been confronted with our mortality in the way we have in the last couple of years. Women are just feeling like I don't have time or energy for to have to cut through the marketing of it. I want you to just tell me what it is and tell me why it's going to make my life better, easier, make me smarter, et cetera. So um, we're definitely seeing a shift there in terms of women feeling that the advertising that is coming at them is not trustworthy. So that's the trust factor um, has, has definitely decreased that in terms of us measuring this over the last three years. That aligns so well with some of the research that Havasta. So for the past 12 years, through our Meaningful Brands platform, we've been exploring how consumers around the world feel about brands, right? Their perceptions of what makes a brand meaningful. And we've seen a significant shift from does the brand's products like functionally deliver on what they're supposed to do to much more importance on how is this brand enhancing like my well-being? How is it helping my community? And in fact, we saw in the, the most recent round from I think it was December of 2021 that consumers uh, across all demographics expect brands to do more to decrease their life stressors. And the top five were make my life easier, give me peace of mind, help me feel truly happy and help me feel content in life. So it's, it's really interesting that your research is underscoring that. And Janine, I want to bring you into the conversation because See Her also has done a lot of research 
from the perspective of how women feel about how female characters are being portrayed, whether it's in the you know, streaming programs and movies we watch to you know how we're featured in ads and commercials. So what are you seeing in your research and is it is it aligned with what we were just talking about? Well, so Seher started in 2016. And so we have, we're really a data-based organization. In fact, we started the GEM measurement, the GEM equality measurement. And what we've seen, I mean, there's good news in this. And the good news is that when you get it right, it can lead to business growth. Uh, but the key is getting it right, right? And uh, in this day and age, women really care about purpose. They care that a company stands for something and that they want to understand a company's values when they are seeking out brands. So companies that stand up for what they believe in, and we like to say you can be a force for growth for your business and a force for good, and that's good for your business, right? So through our research for GEM, we have shown that when you have high gender equality scores, GEM scores, you can you will increase your business growth and it will increase brand health. So when those ads index above 100, people, women are more likely to buy, they have better purchase intents and better brand reputation. So let's talk about what does it mean to get it right? Because, you know, we can talk for hours about infamous blunders, but let's help the brand marketers and communicators listening in sort of get a sense of both of you, you know, like me, have, have studied this space for a long time. So, Lisa, from your perspective, and I know you've been working, you know, She Speaks Works with brands from across different industry categories. Are there three, four or five key things in your mind that are critical to avoid Pink washing, and for brands to really create that meaningful engagement. It's a great question. I think that the the heart of it is, as I said before, that women want you to talk to them about benefits. I think that a lot of marketing, and I, I spend part of my career at a big corporation doing brand marketing, and as brand marketers, we get very excited about our features. Every product that we have, we just get so excited about the features of the product because that's what we spend a lot of time and money and energy on. But at the end of the day, what women want when you talk to them and market to them is not a feature-driven conversation. They want a benefit-driven conversation. They want to understand how is this product going to help me? How is it going to make me feel good about as you know, as we were talking about, there are there, Janine mentioned women want to uh, feel good about the products that they're using as they relate to the environment, as they relate to social good. So tell me why your brand and this product is going to make me feel smarter, better, more efficient, you know, happier. Those are the things that I think ultimately that is the what I would say is the highest level, like women want you to talk to them and tell them why this product is going or your service is going to benefit them. What are the benefits? I think beyond that, though, there is a lot about understanding 
what is going on in the macro environment. And that changes all the time. So something that we haven't really touched on just yet is the fact that there's this recession, but there's inflation. And that inflation is absolutely impacting women's ability and discretionary income, right? We, as part of the study that I was just mentioning, women told us that they have decreased their spending by almost 50%, 47% on going out to eat, 41% on clothing, and that they anticipate over the next few months continuing to decrease their spend on going out to eat, travel, clothing, and a lot of other things that you would consider to be discretionary. So if you're one of those companies, if you're a company that sells women those products, you have to be highly aware in any given time that what's going on in the macro environment in terms of her ability to purchase your product is, is fluctuating. So I would say that, you know, to boil it down, maybe it's not three to five, but the two most important things that we see is one, overall, you always have to talk to me about why this product is going to make my life better. If you can do that and you can do it well, and it connects with me, that is going to, I think, ultimately help you win the dollars and the, the business of a woman. But aside from that, secondary to that, you have to be highly aware to what's going on in the macro environment because women are plugged into that. And women can very much relate to those things because they impact them, it impacts their families, it impacts people who they care about. So I think those are the top two things I would say. Janine, what, how would you build on that? And I, I'm particularly interested in your perspective around just the roles that often women are put into, right? It's either, it's like, Women are this monolith, right? And we all think the same and have the same lives. But we know that women wear multiple hats. And we've seen some brands, it's like, you're a mom or you're everyone else, right? So there's just two segments. Um, but today we're in a, you know, there's such a, a focus on inclusion and diversity. You know, so what are some of the ways brands can reflect the diversity within the women's market and some of the lessons, you know, you've been on the publishing side, you know, now you work with so many of the, the biggest advertisers in the U.S. What are some of the ways that brands can make women feel, regardless of your body size, your ethnicity, your race, your lifestyle, that they're speaking to you, you know, that you matter to them? Well, it, you know, when we work with the See Her members to get their creative right, we do that using our gem scores and also through an intersectional lens. So, you know, the whole premise of what we stand for at See Her is if you can see her, you can be her. And that through that intersectional lens, we deal with the seven tenets of inclusivity, which include race, gender, race and ethnicity, body type, age, ability. So we make sure that we are talking to all women, uh, not just one type of women. And I think that's really important. In our research, we found that very often when women are portrayed as a counter stereotype, like you see women doing things that are unexpected and being represented in their full lives, that the ads will perform better and will lead to better sales lift. So we have a whole uh, series of drivers for creatives in order to get it right uh, in their portrayals and their representation. 
how much of a factor, you know, is that at least I can remember when I was on the, the, the brand side, most of the creatives that I engaged with were, were men. Are you seeing a shift too in the creative community with more women having a seat at the table and helping bring that lens through? There's definitely been progress, but there needs to be more. Um, one of the other tools that we provide our membership is a series of guides called Write Her Right for when there aren't enough women or not enough of the right women in the room represented in the writer rooms. And it was developed for showrunners, writers, media executives, and actors to really understand how to portray women authentically. So we started with the Write Her Right series with general female populations. And then we realized that we needed to address different groups differently. So we worked with OWN and Oprah Winfrey herself actually uh, worked with us to do the Black Female Characters Guide. Then we worked with Telemundo to do the Latina Characters Guide. We are presently working with Gold House and a whole cohort of media companies because for the APA, API Female Characters Guide. And then we're going to be going into LGBTQIA, kids, women 50 plus. So we have a whole series of guides that we are developing to make sure that people are aware because there's a lot of unconscious bias that people bring uh, to any situation and to try to combat that. And so that that's really what See Her is all about is eliminating the gender bias that we may not be in the forefronts of our brain. And so important in a time when we're living in an increasingly gender fluid society and traditional binary notions of gender really don't apply today. Without question. In fact, we did a whole study about Gen Z and a third of all Gen Z identify as gender fluid, a third, mm-hmm. which is huge. Um, so the, and they really feel that gender is a social construct. So uh, it's very important to be able to evolve and stay relevant because if the rules of yesterday don't apply today and the rule of today will not apply to tomorrow. So it's very important to evolve and understand the consumer because they're very different. Uh, and I wanted to just add that, you know, to your question about whether, you know, women are having a seat at the table, table from a creative standpoint. I think one of the things that really has democratized this is the advent of social media creators. Because if you think about the number, first of all, 86% of influencers, social media influencers are female, right? They are dominating. Women are dominating in social media in terms of the, you know, building followings and creating content. And I think one of the things that happened during COVID, because so many companies were not able to do some of the creative shoots that they used to be able to, they started turning to these creators, to these women um, let's say, and men too, but but they started turning to influencers and creators for for content. And you see a, a lot of content now being used in digital that is actually from a creator, from a, mm-hmm. from a female creator. And I think that's also helped companies ultimately see what's successful. Because when you put up, and, and lots of companies have um, have tested this, when you put up a digital ad, um, head to head, a piece of content from a female influencer versus like a brand developed image, 
the influencer content is winning. And the reason it's winning is A, it's benefit-driven messaging, and B, it is native to the platform, right? So I think that what's happening too is as you seek dollar shifting to digital and what brands seeing that what works in digital is stuff that seems to be native to social and native to the platform, you're, you're starting to see creative really open up and female creators really getting a seat at the table, which, uh, and, and we work with a lot of brands now that when we do influencer campaigns, the brands come to us and say, hey, can we use that content on our website? Can we use it on our retail partner's site? And that is not a conversation we were having three years ago. It was, it was maybe happening, but in a much smaller way. Now it's happening, I think, increasingly. COVID has helped, the pandemic has helped it along, as I, as I mentioned, but I think because it's successful, the content is, is winning, we're seeing more and more of that. I mean, I think it's just really important that women are represented in front and behind the camera, just because, look, we we're talking about this earlier. There are bias and things that people don't realize that they are putting in front of themselves if, if women are not in the room. So whether it's in front or behind the camera, in front or behind the mic, it, it's just really important that they're represented in all aspects. I will, I will share, when I was on the client side and meeting with the creative team, they were presenting a creative for a campaign and I was running a women's financial lifestyle program. And this team kept telling us about what women wanted and my whole team were women. And we said, that's not what we want. And he, he actually said, well, you're wrong. And he said, we think we know what we want. And it's not that. Needless to say, we did not wind up working with that creative team. But it was, it was such, um, it, it just brought it to, you know, so front and center that, you know, it was also, we were, we were being mansplained to, um, but there was just the nuances of what the reality is. And we pivoted to an agency that came in with really great data, you know, from talking with women. And in fact, the campaign that we brought forward had the women in our community as the spokespeople. And I know both of you work with us uh, on that, but it was really to reinforce, you know, we had different ages and different demographics representative to, to be sure everyone felt like they had a voice in the conversation. And it's something that, you know, I, I try to take with me as, as I'm advising uh, my clients today. So I, I want to ask you, if you were to pick like one a women's focus campaign that you feel really works and is set like a gold bar for you, what would it, it be? Is there something that stands out? For me, it's like a girl. The PNG campaign that took a statement that was originally derogatory and turning it to a positive was, I think, groundbreaking. And I think we wear that like a girl with a badge of honor as a result of that campaign. Yeah, there are a couple I love, but I would say that top of mind for me right now is one that I think is related to financial services and Fidelity has this campaign they're doing called Women Talk Money. And money, as I'm sure you both know, is historically a topic that companies think women are not good at money. Well, Fidelity research um, underpinning this came out and said that women 
over a 10-year period actually outperform men in terms of investment. And if for a variety of reasons, but women outperformed men. Now, most women would be stunned probably to learn that. Most men would probably be stunned too. And it is because money is a topic that I think is so important for women having that economic freedom and the fact that women, we are earning less than men do. And that over time, that compounds in terms of our ability to invest and our ability to have a comfortable retirement, all of those things. I love this effort from Fidelity. It's a, it's a big 360 campaign, but the idea is we are going to open the door to this conversation to let women understand that even though they may feel like they are not good at investing, they are not good at managing their money, they actually are. And here are tools and here's a community. There's um, There are a lot of elements to it. And I find that kind of work so important because that's economic freedom is the way that women are going to move forward. And I love that campaign. So that's one that's that's top of mind for me. Those are both great campaigns. Elisa, you and I were talking about P&G, Share the Load, the other day to really, you know, using laundry as an opportunity to talk about how do we have a, a conversation with partners about how we have a more equal division of household chores, right? Which we know has been a really big factor in the emotional stress and more things that women have had to deal with. And I guess the other one that stands out to me is one in and to be transparent, Havas is, was involved with was Adidas and the liquid billboard. This was a campaign, right, to as as rolling out a, a new line of swimwear that was size inclusive of really giving every woman confidence um, in water and, and regardless of, of cultural norms. And for me, as someone who's for 20 some years, I did not put on a swimsuit because I was ashamed of my body. It just has so much personal relevance and to really promote body positivity and acceptance and give women, again, that that opportunity to be their authentic self and do it with pride and not feel ashamed for where you are. So that those really stand out. Yeah, I love that PNG campaign. I'm glad you brought that one up. That series, and now they have, they've They've been really sticking with this. That campaign, I believe, started right around 2015. So that just bought five iterations of it, well, if I'm remembering correctly. Mark Pritchard is one of our co-chairs at SeeHer, and they are very committed Ooh. to be a force for growth and a force for good. And so in addition to Share the Load, they also have the whole campaign about the chore gap and fair play to mm-hmm. make sure that the entire family is participating in completing all the chores because it shouldn't be one person's burden. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so glad you brought up Fair Play, Janine. We we've done quite a bit of work with Eve Rodsky and that team. It's amazing. Now are part of Hello Sunshine and the spots that they created um, for P and G are are fantastic. I mean, seeing fantastic. Yeah, seeing men in roles that are that automatically. I mean, growing up. All I did was see women in commercials cleaning. It was only the mm-hmm. women. I remember them all. Now, my daughters are seeing commercials with men taking on those roles. And what you see is what you start to understand as reality, yeah. right? The well, that's, that's reality. our whole premise about is that we at Seaherd know that as an industry, 
we not only reflect culture, but we can transform culture. So it's a big responsibility. So I really subscribe to the all boats rise with the tide philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to hold hands and uh, do the right thing. Well, on that note, as we bring our conversation to a close, as you know, with many brands now in the stages of planning for 2023, is there one thing you would want a brand marketer or communicator listening in to keep in mind when it comes to marketing to women? Well, they should become see her members. <laughs> but, um, of course. Yeah, of course. But I, I think realizing that we all have come with unconscious bias, providing yourself with tools and the understanding to really work at it. I, I, you know, it's not something to take for granted. And we know that in this environment in particular, it, gender equality is not something to take for granted. So seek out resources to help you really understand what the consumer wants and how your creative is resonating with those people. I, I think that's, a, that's an excellent advice. And I think the other part I would just add to that is recognizing that women are not monolithic in how we think. You cannot say that, oh, this is how women think about this issue. Right. It is yeah. It is just not the case. I, we didn't talk much about Roe v. Wade um, in this conversation, but it is going to impact how people are voting. However, you also cannot assume that every single woman believes that Roe v. Wade should not have been overturned. Our research shows that 65% of women did not think it should be overturned, but you have a about 20% who thought it should be overturned, and then the rest are unsure. That's not a that group there is not a small 35% is not a small percentage of women who do not, you know, who have a differing opinion. And you have to really understand because if you don't want to step in it, right, and you don't want right. to lose business. You need to be mindful that just because an issue you think is, you know, all women think a certain way, that is just not, is just not reality. And so just be aware of those things um, as you come up with whatever your campaign is, whatever your messaging is, and whatever, whatever products and services you're offering to the women's market. So my big takeaways are really think about your unconscious bias. Don't take a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to men. And I think the third thing is context is everything, right? You have to think about your brand, your message, what you want women to feel, think, do in the context of what's happening in the broader marketplace, in what's happening politically, what's happening society-wise, what's happening in, in the workplace and economically, because all of those factors are going to shape what's top of mind for her right? And what she needs, wants, and prefers in that moment. And I I think the last thing, and Aliza comes back to your point, is be mindful of the platform you are using to engage with her and make sure the message is relevant for that platform and what her mindset is when she is on that platform so that it's the right message at the right time in the right context. And that will help avoid a pink it, shrink it, or allegations of, of pink washing. At least move the needle, show that you're making a good faith effort, right, to engage in a more meaningful way. Well, I could speak with both of you for many more hours to come. I hope 
you will come back at some future point so we can continue the conversation. Um, you know, uh, once we're in 2023, see how we are progressing and we could get the benefit of your knowledge. You have been inspirations to me over the, the my career journey and looking at, you know, how to market and engage with women. I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you for having us. This is fun. It was so great to talk with you guys, with experts in this. It's nice. It's nice to, to be with you. And Linda, I have to say that you and wherever you have worked, have always been intentional about progress for women. And I thank you for that because you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. And you have been the unbelievable example for that throughout your career. Well, that is very kind of you to say, thank you for that. And what a way to end this episode. So again, thank you. And we, for our audience, we will have links to see her, to She Speaks and some of the great work that we talked about incorporated in our show notes to make it easier for you to find. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. You can subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And don't forget to rate and review today's show to let us know how we're doing. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas.